0: Given some of the weird, weird sort of pants decisions this band has made, Tom Selleck's tennis shorts would have been the least. Of, like they'd like they'd like you know they probably he'd he would stick out, but for a wrong reason because would like he would be the least weird, weird one of the bunch. Zero. 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 Anyway, Tom Selleck Zero. is a hell of a drummer. That's what I'm trying to. Say. <laughs>
1: A to Z,
2: innit? it?
0: <laughs> and with that, hello and welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric, and with me, as always, is Jonathan. That's right. We've got two guests today. Yeah, infamous from the uh, the Metal Chat podcast. If you've heard that, all the way from Boston, we have Melissa.
1: Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: And all
3: the way from Småland, but currently here with me in Stockholm, we have Matthias. Or uh, good dog, good dog. Your, your English sounding name. What would that be, Matthias Reynolds? Or... Matthew
4: Reynolds. Yeah, Is that uh, my uh, artist some, name? Some,
3: some say Matthias. I've heard uh, like Chris Jericho refer to Matthias Jabbs as Matthias Jabs.
4: Yeah. My, my American friend John
0: Gaffney, he says Matthias. Uh, how and when did you get into Iron Maiden? Uh,
4: I had a slightly older cousin of mine who uh, happened to have uh, Peace of Mind on vinyl, and uh, I was. It must have been the summer of 83, about to turn nine. And uh, the sleeve, the music, everything just captured me uh, right away. Uh, That winter in December 83, Swedish Television broadcasted the Dortmund show with Mm. lots of bands playing. And uh, I desperately wanted to see this. But it was late in the evening. I was just a a kid, and my mother wasn't that keen on letting me stay up that late. So uh, fortunately enough, I had friends who had uh, VHS recorders. Back in '83, this was really really that was pretty high tech, yeah, yeah, really high tech. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so they they taped this, uh, and I could see it. And my other favorite band—I had like three favorite bands when I was this age nine—was Iron Maiden. It was Saxon, and it was uh, Michael schenker Group. And if I remember correctly, Michael Schenker Group was on last on this show. Mm. And the show was to be something like three hours. So m- most people recorded this in like three-hour tapes, VHS tapes. Oh, they so were the pretty ma- long,
3: though. I, I, I seem to remember that uh, VHS, they were quite long. You know, It was enough for like a full morning of uh, Turtles episodes I had already seen, you know, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> back in the
4: 90s. But uh, no one had the full MSG show because it was over over three hours long, the show. Oh. So uh, it took a few years uh, from when I finally got to see the, the end of the MSG show from 83. Anyways, uh, 84, and I was about to have uh, some minor surgery. And it was in September 84. I was now 10. And my mother asked me, if I wanted something as a sort of a gift for enduring this. Like a bribe, almost. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I kn- knew I had read somewhere in the papers that our Maiden was supposed to put out this new album called Power Slave. So she went to the record store in Vestevik, where uh, I was doing this surgery, and uh, she bought it for me. It was so new that they actually hadn't really put it out in the store yet. She asked... Someone working there and said, uh, this new this band Iron Maiden has this album. Uh, so they uh, got it from the storage room and unpacked it.
3: And that was Peace of Mind or Power Slave?
4: Power Slave. Power power slave. slave. Yeah. So I had now uh, Power Slave on vinyl. I had Peace of Mind on cassette. And I think I even maybe had... Uh, <laughs> A recording on tape of Made in Japan <laughs> recorded on uh, on the wrong speed.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. So I used to only <laughs> yeah, put like, it on. <laughs> like you put it on uh, if you have the 45 on. Yeah. Or, or no, the 33 on when you play. It. I've done that on that yeah, one. Yeah. So I actually have heard exactly that. And it, yeah, that was a good depiction. So the, the first I time want I want you to sing with for, me.
4: Sing for me. <laughs> This is a song about someone wrongly accused of, of doing something. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time I heard Innocent
0: <laughs> X was on the wrong speed. Oh <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> really disappointing. he like, really loved that voice. Like wow, has a kind of cool, kind yeah, of like a Peter poplety, Steele, you know, thing thing going on. Yeah,
3: and I, but I was gonna say too, a cousin is always involved. I've said that a before in the show. A yeah. cousin is always involved, and also Dortmund here in Sweden maybe the most like that was the start of metal in sweden like not to, maybe not the start but that was like the then it took then it took a new speed everyone saw this yeah. like yeah. in your age especially like the guys from from in flames or the guys in uh, or dan Swanö has been on our show you know yeah. or um, christian neiman who's been on our show yeah. everyone was that was it you know that changed sweden
4: I, mean, I think i think people who was born in the early to mid. 70s or something that show was really really important yeah Yeah. Uh, absolutely
3: and i think still you feel it today even though it's readily available on youtube Mm. but it's still like yeah it's pretty cool stuff yeah it it sounds good it's like professionally done and the the bands all of them are pretty much in their apex yeah full game they're on Uh, the
4: top of their game absolutely i mean for nostalgic reasons you could say that i was uh, oh i have all these memories to it but listening to it now. I mean, wow, they are on fire, absolutely. And that was mm. the last show on that tour. On that so tour. they should have been a b- bit worn out, but they had like tons of energy.
3: Well, well at, the, at the way end, right, if you're yeah. a runner, I'm not a runner, but I can still get in the brain of a runner. At yeah. the way end, you got the last uh, 500 meters. Of yeah. course, you're not tired at that point.
4: So I've been listening since I was eight, nine, and I pretty early on started to collect uh, Maiden records, because I soon realized that, wow, on these singles they have B-sides, which are different tracks. Mm. I I remember I got uh, Cross-Eyed Mary really early on, and that just urged me on to get more of the singles, and then you start to find out that, hey, there's Japanese pressings and whatever. my record collection is kind of strange in that way because I as I so at such a young age started to collect uh maiden records. I really mm-hmm. didn't buy much other music. I just taped oh, yeah, it yeah. of friends. So right, right, like yeah. bands I listened to back then in the mid to later 80s like uh, Manowar. I and just dropping a name but like but like Manowar band? I didn't have I didn't have any manual records, but I knew the records because we listened to them all the time. So you taped
3: them onto exactly. normal C60. Exactly. But I just
4: bought Maiden records and yeah. I start to...
3: I think I said it before on the show that in between 12 and 13 and a half or 14, I only bought Maiden records. Yeah. There were enough of them. And like I, I just went straight for I in the record shop, straight to that yeah, shelf yeah. in H- rock, yeah. and then E, you know, and just uh, look for Maiden. Every time. And, and then... It was kind of cool that I st- it wasn't really that infrastructure of ordering stuff just yet. it was just about to break through, so it was still like, "Oh, yeah. they have this one mm-hmm. i haven't you know maybe i haven't only seen this on the internet, no prayer or something, yeah. and then it was the c d ninety uh, eight remaster yeah. and now I rebought everything I think two years ago on on original vinyl presses, yeah, yeah. which nice. has been very fun it's been fun it's fun to rec- uh, collect maiden here.
4: Uh, I, I collected Maiden for quite a few years and I've been to shows, uh, but when I made... Uh, How many shows
3: have you been to? A
4: few, right? 40-ish? That's good. Something like that? That's, that's a bit, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I don't think I know that the first show I went to was in 88, I was 14, I was on this bus trip with this older cousin of mine mm-hmm. as a sort of chaperon, because he was four years older. So I have seen every tour since 88 uh for one or two or multiple shows right i've never been one of those guys that travel because i never had the finances to do that that
3: makes actually it makes the number 40 even more impressive Mm -hmm. without traveling because some people get their numbers up by basically following the band and spending their whole savings on it
4: i'm a bit impressive aren't i
0: yeah (laughs) impressive Impressive (laughs) fellow yeah I'm very modest, I'm
4: <laughs> and, and I'm modest too. Yes, that's one of my greatest traits. One of your great, many great traits. Yeah,
3: me too. I'm, I'm incredibly modest. Yeah, we forgot to mention his connection to Made in A to Z as well, because you're really good friends with Henrik. Yeah, it's one of my who, best who's friends, who's often here. Yeah, and we mentioned you, but Eric couldn't remember your name back in episode six, actually. Okay. Because you did that uh, video. You can check that out on YouTube, uh, listener. Because that video is nice. It's about every venue they played ever in Yeah. Stockholm. Our maiden that is. Maiden cool.
4: venues in Stockholm. There's yes. also a band
3: uh, should be mentioned. You're the bass player and principal songwriter in uh, the band Henrik Drumsin, Dead uh, cosmonaut. Yes. Right. <laughs> cool to have you on 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 the show
4: i'm honored and glad to be here
3: let's skip across the atlantic here i am melissa from metal chat with melissa uh, go check that podcast out and also like i would say now a remote friend of of the show uh, in general mm-hmm. you know you're friends with fergal you friends with dan and a few others right yep
1: and uh, yeah. steve
3: steve hasn't been because on our Uncle show steve. but he's a maiden podcaster yeah but he's a he's a
1: yeah. You know part of part of our group, I guess,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, I'm gonna be on uh, metal gods.
3: on our on our network uh, deep dive podnet there's uh, a few shows now all of them diving deep into one band and uh, metal gods is one of them eric uh, recently guested with george and tom also uh, yanks
0: Indeed.
1: yes they're uh, they're from uh, they're new york they're not far from me actually so yeah i'm a um i'm a little bit older than everybody um so i got into maiden very early on I used to babysit for these people. Um, I lived in New Hampshire, which is the state next to Massachusetts. Um, I lived in New Hampshire in the 70s, and I used to babysit for these people who had a shortwave stereo. And I was always, I, I loved to travel, and I was always fascinated with, you know, not so much like um, the the big things that happen, but like, just like a a day in the life type of thing, you know, regular people, whenever I travel, I like to go hang out with the regular people. I like to go find the restaurant or the bar that just the, the locals are hanging out in, you know? So, so I, um, I was on this, uh, shortwave radio and I used to babysit these people every Friday night. They had their, that was their date night. And I stumbled upon, uh, the Friday night rock show on the BBC and the the connection wasn't always great, you know. Sometimes it was iffy, spotty, you know. Um, but I loved it, and I loved listening to new wave of British heavy metal, which I didn't really know that that's what it was called necessarily. Well, well the
3: term was new, right? It wasn't right. Official. It was very
1: new, and you know, I just was like, these are like exotic bands or whatever. And um, and then I got into tape trading. For those of you who don't know what tape trading is, it's used to put an ad in the back of a magazine and then you, people would answer the ad or you would answer an ad that somebody put in a magazine. And I got tapes from all over and um, you would you would write a letter and you would tell them a little bit about yourself. It was pen pal plus music, basically.
3: Tapes, right? Uh, basic C60 cassette yep, tapes. Yep, Yeah.
1: Just, just your Memorex.
3: Common in the death metal scene.
1: Exactly. It was the only way. There was no internet. There's no youtube there's no spotify there's no none of that you know there's no podcasting um that's how you that's how you network with people that's how you how you made friends and that's how you found out that there were other people out there that liked the same type of music that you liked like the same band that you liked um especially for me because i i didn't have really any any friends that really liked uh metal in particular or or metal or iron maiden in particular um i had um of an older sister, um, and her husband, and they're not—they weren't a lot older than me. She was a disco person, but um, he was into you know rock and prog. What and year so he's is the this? Who,
3: yeah, I was going to ask too. Is this nineteen eighty?
1: This is this is early. This is even earlier. This is when I when I got into when got into
3: the, the when I got into like
1: Queen yeah. and uh, Jethro Tull and Yes. And Black Sabbath and Rainbow and all of this kind of stuff that he exposed mm. me to. It
3: was very cool. I heard from James Hetfield that in in the States, in the late 70s, uh, there wasn't that much of a metal culture whatsoever, he said.
1: There wasn't really um, the term, right? There was hard rock. And, and and everybody was lumped into that, whether you were Black Sabbath or you were Van Halen or you were Kiss. It was all considered the same genre. Yeah. It was all lumped together. You know, And people who listened to prog rock listened to hard rock or and listen to what we would consider a metal everybody you, you either like listen to like rock music or you listen to like dance music those were that was the split hmm. or country that's a whole different right. but um so uh fast forward to 1980 i moved to florida and i want to go get the running free single and i go to the record store in tampa florida and i ask the guy for the the single And he says, I don't have the single, but I have this album. And it's the first album.
3: And that was in 1980.
1: 1980.
3: The year of its release.
1: I fell in love with them. I just loved them right away. I don't know what it was about them that just connected with me, but it just connected with me. And I, and then you get into more like you get, like I was sort of familiar with Judas Priest and, you know, that kind of rainbow and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But that's, I think for me, that was the catalyst that made me want to explore that whole, anybody that was kind of linked with Iron Maiden, you know, and going back to to bands like Saxon and Praying Mantis and Diamondhead all bands that I had heard on Friday Night Rocks mm-hmm. that I hadn't made that connection you know and so now I'm I'm connecting the dots. Yeah. And I'm all in and I've been like a metalhead ever since much to my mother's chagrin. <laughs> I haven't I haven't grown out of it yet.
3: <laughs> I was going to say it's way easier to connect the dots now obviously like uh, now well, yeah. when, when I'm going back oh, to yeah. bands like uh tigers of Panthang or something it's very easy for me to do so uh so i mean it's a good thing actually uh, staying alive in that sense you know you can make sense of your past
1: that's absolutely absolutely and you can it reminds me of stuff you know sometimes i um go down a rabbit hole and it's like oh my god i remember that band i remember having that cassette i remember that album i remember that tour you know whatever and you're just like oh yeah like I, i went on this rabbit hole um like watching old MTV, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. You know, some of it was like, you know, not stuff that I really necessarily listened to, but, you, you know, it just jogs your memory.
3: Yeah, I mean, there could still be a bit of nostalgia involved.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You just, you remember it from the kids at school or when you go to a party or, yeah, yeah. you know, it's being played in the car or whatever. And then um, I saw Iron Maiden in 1981 with um, Judas Priest on the Point of Entry tour. And I was with some people that really didn't necessarily want to see or didn't really care about Iron Maiden. They were really everybody. Most everybody was there for Judas Priest. Right. Um, And so a lot of people just wanted to stay and get high in the alley uh, next to the Orpheum Theater. But I was adamant about going in to see them. And I thought they were just and, and they weren't, you know, the spectacle that they are today, you know, but they were just they just I just fell in love with them. I was just I just loved them so much.
3: Maybe a different type of spectacle. Still a spectacle, I would guess. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. And I just loved, loved Clive. And we'll talk about Clive a little bit later. But um, I I remember watching that show. And I remember just, um, just trying to like focus on Clive. Right. You know, that's unusual. Um, I think
3: it's very unusual. I was talking to, uh, to Matthias here before and we talked about uh, uh, our mutual love of listening to drummers, you know, or just drums in general. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it came a bit later for me, I would say, on my first Maiden show, I didn't listen to Nico, you know, on my very first. I can admit that. But it's really cool that you actually focused in on Clive, Yeah, an amazing drummer. And I think none of, none of us have heard Clive live. No. So that's uh, like a couple of feathers in your hat. You're you're getting less impressive, Matthias. You're getting less impressive. You haven't
4: seen, you haven't seen Clive live. No, but I've seen him alive and on stage. Okay, that's good. That's, well, nice. that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. At least. That's good.
3: Right. No, that's uh, okay, still impressive.
1: So I, so from that moment on, I was all Iron Maiden was my band. And I and I still, you know, I love Judas Priest. I love I'm a huge Black Sabbath fan. But they were always my guys, you know. Yep. They were just always my guys, and, and I was all about them. And I've seen every tour as well, um, and I do travel to see them. Um, I saw them in Paris. I've seen them um, in different areas in Canada. I've seen them um, all over the U.S. Um, and part of that is because, as I stated before, I love to travel.
5: Yep.
1: So I love to mix the two. And so, for example, when I went to Paris, I went with somebody who was not a Maiden fan, who's kind of new to the metal scene. She's sort of a casual fan, but she loves to travel as well. And she does enjoy the music and she was up for it. So we go to Paris and um, we'd both been to Paris before. So we didn't have to do Eiffel Tower and all that crap. <laughs> yeah. But then but then we left there and she had never been to the UK before. She'd never been to the Netherlands before. So then we traveled around Europe. So it was a combination of traveling around Europe and seeing Maiden. I kind of wish we had seen more Maiden shows there. But
3: do you have a rough done number done. of how many times you've seen our Maiden live?
1: Around, around forty. I was trying to think about it. Some somewhere between one time I counted thirty-two. Another time I count I got to go back and and check. But I would say probably around the same number as Matthias. Right. And 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 I am impressed because you haven't seen them. Haven't. Seen them, you know. I had seven years on you to see them, so um, I'm I'm impressed that you've seen them as many times as I have, given the fact that I've I've have a little bit of a jump on you on it on you.
4: Yeah, but you've seen those classic tours. I mean, like uh World Slavery tour, World Peace tour, and all those gigs. So hats off to yeah. you. Yeah,
1: thank you, thank you, thank you. I saw I saw uh, World Slavery three times. I saw it twice in Florida and once in Hawaii. Okay. And the Hawaii show was the show before they went to Long Beach to record Live After Death.
3: if we do travel back in time to, to your story in the early 80s, uh, did you hear about um, Pauliano leaving the band? Because I guess you must have seen him once. That's it. Live with
1: R. Yeah, Rudy. I only saw him once. Um, I did know that he left the band. I didn't really know who he was being replaced with. Well, I knew who he was being replaced with, but I didn't know that Bruce Bruce was Bruce Stikenson.
4: Dickinson. Oh, okay. Mm. <laughs> um. Bruce, Bruce.
1: And, and the thing was, we talk about tape training. I I was familiar with Samson. Yeah. But I didn't make the connection. Right. Until Number of the Beast.
3: Well, with tape trading, you don't get the liner notes. You, don't, no, you, you don't, don't get the credits. You, get, no, the, you get the nothing.
1: songs, and, you get, and sometimes people will say, you know, this, is a lo- this band is local to me, or this is my brother's. I mean, sometimes you get crap right sometimes you're getting like somebody's garage band you know this is my cousin's band you know, you know.
3: <laughs> and then you get Iron Maiden on the next tape.
1: yeah you know and you get like a mix of everything and sometimes you get like weird stuff you know you get people that that um, you know they try to turn you on to stuff so they sneak stuff, some stuff in you know yeah
4: I tape traded for many years but I only uh, tape traded uh, Maiden live shows so I got a few hundred cassettes in boxes at home with shows <laughs>
1: Wow. Yeah. I i mean, I still, I have a lot of them. Some of them, you, you, um, they're all eaten up because I've moved a lot over the years and mm. stuff like that. So the ones that I have are kind of chewed up. I have a lot of like uh, King Biscuit Flower Hour. I used to tape mm. those a lot and send those to people. Um, But like some of them, you, you talked earlier about the, whoa, whoa that's kind of how <laughs> some of the tapes sound.
3: <laughs> yeah. Semi-destroyed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: But when when exactly. Number of the Beast was then coming out, did you know that uh, uh, there's a new singer? You didn't know it was Bruce Bruce.
1: We did know there was going to be a, a new guy, which I was kind of like, I was uh, disappointed, right? I was like, oh, is this going to work out? Because this, this could go wrong. This could go really, really wrong.
3: I said before mm-hmm. in the show that if I was a fan back then, I would probably be very uh, suspicious to someone replacing Paul. Absolutely,
1: My friend pointed out to me about how, well, you know... Um, Black Sabbath did it and look how great that turned out and you know ACDC had to do it they didn't kind of have a choice in the matter and it worked out very very well so I mean there was so there was definitely hope yeah the album came out March 22nd 1982 I was a junior in high school I was living in St. Augustine, Florida I went to a a boarding school and um, I had a friend his name was Vaughn and he was a huge Iron Maiden fan as well and he and I went to go get the album and I got the album and he got the cassette. He, I had a turntable in my dorm room, but he couldn't come to the, my dorm room cause male and female. So he had a boom box. We took a couple of launchers. So there was like this field between buildings and we used to all sit out there on our lawn chairs and sunbathe. You know, a lot of the girls would do it on the weekends. You know, we go out there and listen to music and, and, and sunbathe. So that's where we went. And we had a couple of lawn chairs. We rolled two joints, one for each side. We set it up and we sat down. We fired up that J and we hit play. And I have a rule about I want to listen to the whole thing completely through. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want any chit-chat. I just want to listen to this whole thing through, and then we'll discuss it.
3: Yeah. Good rule.
1: And the song that we're talking about today is the very first song that we heard. And that's, for a lot of people, that's the first time they ever heard Bruce Dickinson. Mm.
3: Yeah. For you, it wasn't actually, right? Because you had heard Samson, it but wasn't. you didn't I know. Didn't
1: realize, I didn't know that, but but yeah.
4: Did you recognize his voice when you
1: heard Invaders? No, I have to be honest with you. Not at first, I didn't. I mean, once you figure it out, then you go, oh, yeah. But no, I'd like to say I was that cerebral at that time, but I wasn't.
3: (laughs) Uh, So what did you think when you heard like, Well, I mean, I guess you get psyched by that intro, right? Even before Bruce comes in.
1: It was great, and the drums. You know, I do love me some Clive. Yeah, <laughs> the drums were so good, and this the whole. Um, I mean, it's Steve's band, right? So the bass is always up front, and you're just like, yeah. I mean, it was great opener. You know, we're looking at each other like, yeah. Then the vocals kick in. We're both looking at each other like, damn, this guy can sing. But you're thinking, <clears throat> this guy doesn't sound anything like Paul. No, very different. They went in a totally different direction. And I just remember we listened to that song and, like, we listened to the whole thing all the way through. And, you know, we have a whole, you know, takeaway of the whole album. But that particular song, I, you know, then the chorus is, you know, we all know the chorus is kind of lame. And they do doo we looked at each other like really do that's the best they could come up with <laughs> you know uh but for me, the highlight of that song really is Clive
3: tons of energy, right
1: yeah, yeah, I mean he's just um he's killing it, he's killing it.
3: Very cool riffage too. You know, uh, they have a ton of uh, really nice riffs in there. That you know, the, the slightly deep purple-esque uh, mm. and then the verse is probably the first time Maiden you know, are doing that attack verse. That is uh, straight out. Uh, straight into Future Real or Wicker Man or something like that, and uh, in the verses, Bruce's singing is is awesome.
1: Yeah,
2: uh,
3: but uh, of course the arrangement is a typical Harris arrangement, so he has to squeeze in a few words there.
1: Like it feels like he crammed more words. Then then like they weren't matching the music. Like there was just too many words that he needed to edit his words.
4: Right. But I mean he pulls it off brilliantly. I mean, even though there's a lot of words to sing, he sings it with such conviction and, and oh, yeah. energy and I mean so much attitude it's like half who would have sold the song to me. <laughs>
3: Yeah, really trying to prove himself, if yeah. you hear, and it's a good thing. Like, if we travel back to you, then when did you get in contact with A uh, Number of the Beast and Invaders? Was it on, a, on, a, on the vinyl record back in around mid-80s? Mm,
4: yeah, I got to know this slightly older guy who had a fairly impressive, at least to my 11-year-old standards, record collection. And he had uh, all the Maiden stuff up till that time. So I taped... Number of the Beast off him, Uh, this was in '85. yeah, before Love to Death came out. And uh, I just loved it immediately. And I know over the years, many people have said that they don't really fancy Invaders that much. Uh, And I mean, yeah, in comparison to the other songs uh, on Number of the Beast, maybe it's not... uh, best or second best but or fourth or fifth best. You know that's, that's, that's what I think it
1: suffers from. Yeah. That's what I think it suffers from is the fact that, you yeah. know, if it was on a different album it would probably be elevated on people's list, you know? Yeah. I mean like if it was on, you know, No Prayer it would be higher considered a higher level song than
4: Absolutely. A,
1: a lot of it has to do with the fact that of the company that it keeps.
4: Yeah. And I, I think at least to my ears it still sounds kind of fresh cuz I mean, songs like Number of the Beast or Run to the Hills and How to Be The Name has all been played very, very much. But every time I listen to the whole of the record and put on Invaders, it sounds, there's, it, never, it just feels fresh and as energetic as when I first heard it mid-85, to my ears, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
1: And they never play it live.
4: No, they never played it live. Yeah, that's weird. I think it's the only opening track they never played live, right?
1: Right, it is. Yeah, that, yeah, I think it is. so. Yeah, that would be, yeah, it is. it is. And I think, I mean, it, well, everything's better live. It Doesn't even the worst song is better live. But mm. uh, you know, I and, and I've said this before. I think that the song is where it needs to be. I don't think it could kind of be anywhere else. We were talking before about maybe Number of the Beast could have opened the album. But I just, I think that opener works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, what I would say is that Number of the Beast could, itself could work in various different places on the album, but Invaders only really has one place it would work, and that's where it exactly. is. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. I agree with that. In, Invaders is
4: only an opening track. It's not a, yeah. maybe it could have opened side 2, maybe, but no, not really.
3: No, yeah. Nick Andersson from uh, entombed and helicopters and others he he thought that number of the beast was the opener because he accidentally threw on the b side first yeah and he's always said that yeah. it would be way better if they flipped the sides and maybe yeah but then the a side would be a bit you know it would end with hallowed so you'd have to do further that, mm, refurnishing yeah. to make it work It doesn't work and, but
4: on the other hand run to the hills was the first single and that was is the second song on side two yeah and of course you can have a, an, a first single as the second song and on an album. So what you it, could
3: have done is yeah. you could have switched out Invaders and Children for yeah. for Number and 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 Run.
4: Yeah.
3: And had that go. But, that but could have worked.
1: Nowadays there's no side 2s anymore, you know what I mean? Yeah. For most people there's to me there is. To me there
2: is.
1: To me there is too, but for a lot of people there's not a side 2 anymore. Well, I mean
3: it's a big format today. It's the biggest physical format and it it really like it's driven up the market for physical media.
4: Yeah. And, and even if you construct if you try to to sequence a cd and if you have all these kind of different sort of songs it yeah. it it makes sense to to make them as you have two sides like this yeah. is the this is yep. the last song yeah. of side side 1 and then right. you have to sort of reboot restart yeah the get some more energy into so exactly. mid cd you should have something which is Re- resemblance uh, an opening song? I
3: always do that now, yeah. but uh, I did, when I had my first record contract, uh, it was when I was 19, with French Canadians, by the way. I did give French Canadians a bit of flack the other week, but uh, these guys were great, actually. <laughs> They're really good. And I was 19, and, we, and then back then I remember not thinking like that. But today I automatically think like that. Mm-hmm. I did have a record player, a turntable, quite early on, but in the second phase, you know, when it became a hype, I, I, I would admit I joined the hype, you know. And now I'm always thinking like it's killer. You get two openers, you get two closers, hmm. so you can you know you can make your album more epic in that sense. I think
4: absolutely,
1: absolutely,
0: Every time I sort of in the last couple of years when I've sort of been sort uh, of dabbling in the idea of starting, you know, getting music projects going, and even the ones that sort of have you know sort of actually have got going a bit. Whenever I write something, I, I try to think of where it would work.
1: Sequencing is so important. Yeah. It really is.
0: No, it's true. And
3: I mean, this as an opener. I had the same thing as most guys have had, you know, you hear the chorus and you think this is pretty shit. And then you kind of dismiss the song, mm-hmm. but obviously being a nerd way before doing this uh, made to agency podcast, uh, I felt like I'm going to give this another chance. Why not? You know, And, uh, you know, I just realized first thing, first things first sounds so good.
4: Yeah. It's as it cool a sound as killers' production mixes. It's
3: Just wow, you know. Yeah. I think Martin Birch at his peak, probably he had done mm. Legendary their albums. Then we mentioned before uh, Fire of Anon Origin, an album I really like. Blue mm. is The Cult. Mm. Uh, we mentioned, of course, Mob Rules, Heaven and Hell. Yeah, uh, and all the Deep Purple stuff. Another band I'm a huge fan of. And so he, he was
1: a height of his powers. Yeah, actually. he's just
3: killing Definitely. it. on number of the beast, and many people have used this as a template for how they want a heavy metal record to sound. And when you listen to that intro, da I mean, that's heavy metal perfection, in my opinion. And even the rift it goes into, and even the verse it goes into, it's all perfect. To me, it could be one of their best openers if it you know, had a different chorus. Yeah, And this, yeah. the chorus is very important. I calculated before. I like numbers a bit too, a little bit. And I calculated that the entire duration of the chorus in all three repeats is like 25 seconds. So there's a lot of, there's not too much chorus, but it is still is the chorus. So it's like basically a great nation, but the president is a bit of a jerk, which you know kind of brings that nation's reputation well, down. Yeah, and that goes for invaders too.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's it's interesting because if, if it had been 25 other seconds in the song, you wouldn't necessarily bring the whole thing down. It's just the chorus obviously is you know it's it has important. such a yeah. It's centerpiece. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'll
1: ask, Ma- I'll ask Matthias what I asked you guys last week. Did you know what marauding meant?
3: No. Oh, yeah, I-, I told Melissa
0: when she asked us that uh, we have the Swedish word marodar,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah. I-, I connected it to that. Well, as yeah, yeah, as I, as I as I discovered last week, uh, if you look up what what defini- uh, the definition of a marauder is, someone who marauds, <laughs> but that doesn't help us very much. Um, marodar. Yeah. You know, no. just wreaking havoc. Yeah, I
2: guess.
0: Right. yeah. somebody
1: is looking for stuff to steal and pillage, and you yeah, know.
0: just saboteur. You know, okay, pillaging, looting, fighting, marauding, mm-hmm. marauding, marauding. The Last one, we got uh, raping and plundering. Raping and plundering. I thought it was running until
3: now. Plundering. And also, you know, with that happy notes of those, that chorus, and then just <laughs> raping. <Yeah>, it's <laughs>
1: just so weird. A
3: cheerful rape.
0: It is weird, right? It's eccentric. It's Steve Harris. You can tell it's a Steve Harris tune in that yeah, sense.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because it it's is just, eccentric, and it is weird. And also dawns on me how weird this must sound. Because my girlfriend's out here, just me going, Oh, there's plundering and raping. <laughs> plundering <laughs> raping, with and no well, things, raping. and
1: raping. And you're like,
3: What? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, like, since we're on the lyrics, I have always liked how uh. it starts. Longboats have been sighted, the evidence of war has begun. It's something nice yeah. about that.
1: That sets the scene. It sets the scene.
3: Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I mean,. Uh, I I, I did, like, compile a little history set here for what actually happened. Yeah. Uh, And it's it's impossible to do it in, like, a nice short form, but I'll try. Uh, Because, uh, you know, we are Nordic, and uh, uh, this song is about what we did. So we have to set matters straight. Allegedly. Allegedly, (laughs) right. And uh, in the end of uh, the Roman Empire, they sort of left the British Islands. They didn't have a stronghold anymore. And in comes... uh, um, I think it was called Picts and Scots, so Scots are Scottish and Picts could be Irish or something, you know, local peoples anyway. And they were kind of trying, it was a power vacuum, so they were kind of trying to take over. And then in from North Germany comes Anglos and Saxons, Anglo-Saxon warriors, and they are initially there to help. We're going to help you with the, the wildlings from the islands, you know from the outskirts of your islands anyway. Uh, but, uh, and they, they succeed in helping, but also take over the whole show afterwards. So they were, in a sense, the first invaders. And now that's like a term, you know, Anglos. That sounds like the English, right? But it's uh, North German tribes very waiting. So they were the invaders, but then comes uh, the invaders of this tune. That would be uh, starting in uh, 793 when they're raiding uh, Lindisfarne monastery, yeah. Northumbria. Very famous happening, and, you know. Or they, infamous. They were quite savage compared to the monks, you could say. Yeah, you know, and they didn't really respect any of that Christian. Uh, what's the word? Pacifism. Mm. Not yeah. at all. So <laughs> they could probably get all those verbs in there, you know. Most likely. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, they'd be doing most likely there that. was looting, plundering. Yeah. Marauding, raping probably Rapping. too.
4: <laughs> Did they rape the monks? Uh,
3: no. <laughs> no, you never know. Uh, I hope they
4: didn't, but you know, you, Who you never know, never know. knows what they're doing?
1: Because it's not really about the sex; it's about overpowering. It's about yeah. the power. Bored out of
4: their brains from sitting on a boat for a few days. Oh, yeah, yeah, row, row, there's row. There's no
0: way the situation row, will, not, will not end in tears.
3: Right. So then, uh, what happens after that? In the 800s, in the 900s, the still Viking age. It ended pretty much officially in the early 11th century, so like 10, 1066, people say, Battle of Hastings, mm. when uh, King, Harald, King Harald of Norway was fighting King Harald in the of uh, whatever that place was called then, probably England already, I think,
2: mm.
3: and lost. And that's like the official end of the Viking Age. But during the 800s and 900s, there was a lot of back and forth. They conquered, at the time, they conquered all of, of the area except Wessex, actually. Mm. It was the only area that was still... I guess you could say English speaking in like uh, relative terms. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was just Wessex for a bit, and then they kind of reconquered, and they had Dane law in many parts of the country. Most of these Vikings were probably Danish, more so yeah. than Swedish, and uh, Dane law still kind of persisted afterwards when it was England, because you know some people had been following it. It was part of the culture, and there was a lot of Danes there, so they had to kind of you know give them uh, room to breathe, and uh, you know not make them too angry, I guess. Mm. Uh, but Northumbria was one of those places that got, went back and forth uh, it was some King Olaf I think that came and took it again uh, later. So there was a lot of of that And I think you say something like mid-900s or mid-10th century is when it was England So yeah invaders occurred. Yeah, that's the short story <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Invasion occurred. Yeah, and I mean it's it's yeah. kind of topical today. There's been a, like an invasion just recently mm. down in, in Ukraine I've got a lot of friends there I'm gonna stay off these type of political yeah, I th- I topics, also, but I have you know, to mention it anyway because I got friends yeah, there and I got reports. So. I was chatting yesterday in bomb there in bomb shelters and shit now. So mm. uh, yeah, the invasion occurring.
0: Yeah. Yes. What do you think about the lyrics, Eric? Well, um, <laughs> there are bits that I like. I would say, uh, or just or that work better than others. Uh, again any sort of shortcomings I could see I kind of sort of the, the chorus sort of makes everything else that doesn't quite work seem a little more, you know, even see, you see more silly by just, you know, where the, you know, uh, by default somehow. But um, if I, if I try to pretend there's a different chorus, the, the lyrics, you know, do I guess they'd kind of do what they're supposed to be doing and describe what they're supposed to be describing um, in a, in an adequate kind of way. Uh, I think that if he wrote this song, if he was going to revisit this subject now, uh, you know, at an older, more mature age, he could probably do better with it. Do something more with it. Um, well, or even like we remember, like our very first episode, we were discussing uh, the, the lyrics to um, uh, 22 Keisha Avenue," and that one too sort of has is written obviously yeah. with a very kind of young and sort of naive kind of kind of voice. Uh, I think that works better.
4: As far as my information says, it's it was the last song to be, have been written for the album
3: are oh, like we need an opener yeah we need situation. An,
4: open, an opener and so maybe that explains why it was not as polished and worked upon as the other songs as he's
3: also not happy with it apparently,
4: no. since they didn't play it no, and i mean he has in interviews at that time sort of talked about it as an upgraded ish version of invasion right which we're going to mm-hmm. talk about yeah. a yeah. bit later
3: it's a ridiculous success if you, if you look at it like that
4: yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah but i i like to say something about the guitar solos right yeah that's cool yeah, yeah. and yeah. those solos are amazing <laughs> great and I mean they are a prime example of what makes Dave and Adrian such a great pairing Uh, first you have this classic Dave solo which is uh, by any standard a great Dave solo works fine and then it's almost like a plot twist you have this high-energy song and in comes Adrian playing this really laid back sort of phrasing slow solo I mean that's That's uh, real intelligent stuff right there. I remember Mm -hmm. I I read an interview, uh, some guitar magazine, I think, did with Adrian and Dave, along with KK and Glenn of Judas Priest.
3: Oh, like a guitar duo extravaganza? Yeah,
4: exactly. And I remember that uh, the guys in Judas Priest said that playing guitar solos in a song, when they both play solo, was a bit like a competition. Like, oh yeah, it should yeah. be. It should you be. should. I, I, I'm playing. If I follow KK, I want to outdo him. Right. And Adrian and Dave responded to, like, why? <laughs> why don't do something different? Well,
3: well, yeah, I mean, I played now. It was covers, you know. So yes. that's different. But I played with Christian, who is like uh, an amazing guitar player, world class. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I'm definitely not that on solos, but even when he was playing and I, I was doing the, the chords behind and I knew I was next up, mm. of course I was thinking of how can I make it at least make sense to go from him to me. Yeah. So not, I wasn't trying to beat him because that would be silly. Yeah. It's, like it's not even uh, a David Goliath situa- situation. Is worse. <laughs> 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 it's worse. It's <laughs> worse. But I did try to think uh, how can I make it sound cool? Yeah. And how, how can I be part of this uh, little team? Yeah. Right here, you know? And I think if you look at Dave and Adrian... Such team players or such a duo, like uh, egos, are not very prominent. No, in those absolutely games. not. No, not at all.
4: Between KK and glenn it's obviously a bit more competition uh, between them. Seems so now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No. it's turned ridiculous.
3: The entire track is less than three thirty. Yeah. One of their top six shortest tunes. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You know, it's a really short song, and uh, you know, I I guess I've come to love it, but I do get why people don't. That would be my like short version.
1: I don't skip it. I don't skip it. When I put something in, I just listen to it from you know start to finish. I don't.
3: Yeah, and I mean, since we're all fans of sequencing, how it goes into Children of the Damned is. Amazing because I, when you oh, get that lush guitar yeah. in the beginning of Children of Damned, yeah, and, I get goosebumps. Yeah, 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 I'm, think I'm, about I'm it. seeing goosebumps <laughs> live here, you know. So I'm only describing the music, yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking of it. Yeah, well, I mean, when you get into that lush uh, acoustic guitar in the beginning of Children of the Damned, a song we already <laughs> did, I wish we had it still to, yeah. uh, I wish we still had it in the, in, in the pipeline because I love Children of the Damned, and uh, uh, I think it's a great trade off in between those two songs. And they should definitely, however, you would refurnish this album. Should come at uh, you know. Children should come after invaders.
4: And I think they uh, made an excellent choice from doing the same thing as they did on the first album, where they have Prowler going into Remember Tomorrow. It's like you 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 put something like Invaders, and you have everyone's attention. It's high energy. It's in your face. It's you're on your toes, and then you just what's going to come after this? And then you just bring it down. It just makes people. You just go right, right in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. wow. Okay, it makes it so much bigger. It just makes the album more immersive.
3: So, yeah, more immersive. You know, because you just you get that little shocker of an intro to just yeah. you know get you wakey wakey. Yeah, and then you're kind of like, okay, now you're awake. So now we can suit in, so 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 into this. It's yeah. so smart. I, I think I want to get a little bit more info out of you, Eric. Um, Mm-hmm. on uh, musically this song like the riffs and the solos and the drums and all that you haven't really commented on that yet i think
0: i mean everything is really fucking heavy as shit and every that's that's why it's almost even more heartbreaking to the fact that the chorus doesn't hold up but like the riffs like the the, the the you listen to the solos there that little riff that comes in between the solos that's just it's it, it's 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 amazing i love it yeah it's so fucking heavy yeah. And like you know, like the the, the, the drum intro. Um, I mean, you know, people when when people say drum intros and they talk about Maiden, they obviously more so you know refer to, uh, Eagles yeah. Dare. Uh, oh well, it, that's it, a it's, song. It's,
3: I see it as a riff intro, but of course the drums are very prominent in the, 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 yeah. the bass down. intro, yeah.
0: But I'd say that you know, I'd say that you know, for me the the drums in the drums in the beginning of this one are for me just as like iconic almost as the Eagles Dare
3: me uh, too. drums uh what is th-
0: and even though the rest of it
1: kind of you know uh- falls flat
3: Thanks for your question to um, to mm-hmm. the, the the slightly more aged part of the panel which is how did you how did you uh, experience the change of drummer
1: it, I I was sad because I and I'm a huge Clive Clive fan and I I was disappointed and um and and the funny thing is it turns out I kind of knew Nico because I knew the band Trust but didn't sort of put two and two together. Um, yeah, Bruce Bruce. I mean, and, and it's, it's weird that I love Clive so much, and yet my favorite album is Nico's debut. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I don't,
1: I don't know how to reconcile that, but that's just kind of how it is.
3: Well, it's peace of mind. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm. Done. But I it's mean, but, but then
1: you know, and the thing is, that when Peace of Mind came out, you know, I now at this point I am much more aware of the fact that there's a change and blah 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 blah. You sort of know a little bit more what's going on. You right. get the magazines, and you know what's going on. And when I drop the needle on Peace of Mind, you know, I'm definitely um, standing there jaded. You know, like all right, let's see. Let's see who they're. Who are they replacing my beloved Clive with? Yeah, you know what
3: I mean. but yeah. it's, it's great to hear. It's kind of heartwarming for me to hear like uh, fans of Clive. I don't know why. Maybe because mm. he's the only fallen hero of this band. Right, right. Something like that, maybe. But every time mm. he's mentioned, I get the, like a nice vibe. Like uh, remembering and celebrating Clive. It's a good thing to do. Mm. You know, it's just like it's a great fucking drummer, and like Hendrix said a couple of weeks back. Uh, he's a, the swingy part of him, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit understated because he was trying to prove himself as that power drummer. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, had he been able to get further into the career with Maiden, mm. his development would have been very interesting to follow. Yeah, like he could—he he could definitely be as dynamic and swingy as Nico. Yeah,
1: you know, like people think. Oh, people say, okay, so you know, they had a, they switched from they switched Bruce for Paul. Paul wouldn't have been able to do a lot of the stuff that Bruce could do. But I definitely yeah. think that nico I mean that Clive could have done all of the stuff that Nico has done.
0: Differently. Definitely. But he could, he could do them. Well, I mean, like for, I, 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 a lot of times you see, and I saw, like well, I saw one just a couple hours ago, like some, uh, like Buzzfeed or some such will post a uh, like, Oh, well, these are the, these uh, surprising uh, casting choices that were changed in the last minute. So you'd have like an iconic role, and they'd show who they initially wanted contra who they actually were mm. going with. And it, like, let's say it'd be like uh, one of the infamous ones is obviously Tom Selleck apparently was in talks before Harrison Ford to be Indiana Jones. And you get people can go like, oh no, that would never work. Indiana, you know, Harrison Ford is Indiana yeah. Jones. And I always think, yeah, that's because that's what we right, know. You,
1: you don't know any, if you don't know any different. You, you wouldn't want Harrison Ford then.
0: Yeah, so I think Tom Selleck could definitely be the drum, could definitely play Regal's Derrick. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they were used to Tom Selleck playing that drum
0: film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: We're in a difficult situation now because is Invaders actually worthy of a top 50 spot? That's the thing, and I'm gonna put us in this order. I'm gonna go first, then Eric, then Melissa, and last Matthias. And I have to say, for myself, it pains. It's a bit painful to say, but uh, it's not top 50, even though it should be. With those riffs and with that solo and those drums, you know, but. Uh, and we have worse songs that's been put on the list, uh, not by not by, by me. me. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if I'm honest, I don't think it's gonna last uh, to become a top fifty song.
0: I agree. It uh, for me it's not making it because, like I said, there's worse things that. <laughs> or there's I don't know. There is. It's not because it's it, you know it's a horrible song, but but I don't think it's it, it's no it's not it's not top fifty stuff for me. That's what I'll say.
1: No, I have to agree. I don't think it makes the cut. It's just there's better stuff.
0: Definitely, yeah. Not top 50.
3: Okay, so now, Matthias, you have the chance to, to save the song, but then you have to honestly think that uh, it's in, you know, there are like a 122 songs in their catalog that are lesser than Invaders. Yeah. If you think that's the case, you can do it.
4: This is really, really tough. I am uh, thinking ahead. Will the future... Judge me.
3: I mean, well, uh, Henrik put uh, Assassin on the list. Eric Arke put uh, Empire of the Clouds on the list. A song that I really, really don't like. So I, it happens. It happens. I
4: really like Assassin. Uh, and that maybe goes in the same c- category as this one because it also has a really bad chorus. Bad chorus. It doesn't and do it. Weird yeah. lyrics. Weird lyrics. Exactly. Do I find this one? better than Assassin?
3: Well, that's a question that is in context of this, but yeah, do you find it better than 123 Maiden songs?
4: (laughs) Probably not. I feel a bit dirty now. Yeah. (laughs) Because I want to be friends with invaders. I I want to be the guy that stands up for invaders when most people don't. Right. And even hardcore Maiden fans think it's a bit silly. I really, like you said before, it got amazing drums, great solos, mm. great bass playing. They performed this song with conviction and at the top of their game, yeah. it's a full-on... Perfect on, tempo. Yeah, perfect. There's so much that's going for this song that's really, really, mm. really good. But yep. it comes down to the composition, to exactly. the actual songwriting. Yeah. And mm, no... And again, uh, the
3: president of the song, the chorus, the spokesperson. Yeah, he's he's a dick.
4: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. he's a bit of a dick. Yeah.
0: This is invaders, but it's not what's all this then, as the rich would say. Um, well, this is sort of like the uh, uh what eventually became invaders. So, this was, I guess, uh, an early version of uh, invaders. Uh, because you can see the blueprints for what is for the shape of things to come uh, later on, further on the line. Um, it's 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 rough. I mean, you know, this uh, there's some strange decisions made in this song too like i'm trying to pull up the lyrics here um i'm trying to I, I i always there's yeah let's see here so the, the core there's there's a chorus if you want to call it that here which is maybe even rivals the chorus of invaders as a in its ridiculousness um well it's just the Norsemen are coming repeated many many times
1: yeah many um, times
3: no, it's comment, come in, no, it's me come in, no, it's me come in, no, gonna come
0: in. No, What the fuck, guys?
3: Come on. That's not worthy of recording.
0: But also again, I don't know, this is sort of the situation like when we had um this song doesn't seem ready for anyone <laughs> to really hear it. <laughs> So I don't I don't necessarily know why they released. Really, I mean I guess it's 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 interesting as an interesting piece of history, uh, but it's I, I, it obviously is not you know it, it's not on any album per se. They re they re sort of vamped it into Invaders. So you in, know in that in that sense it might be hard to give it this you know treat it with the same amount of scrutiny as we do treat you know other songs on, on that we yeah. uh, you know deep dive into. It's the
1: best of the beast b-sides right you can best of the b-sides
3: it and it was on the b-side yeah. of uh, a single or was it not it was only on uh, it was it was on the soundless tapes
4: yes yeah, it was suns- yes. soundless tapes yeah. and it was the b-side to women in uniform so oh, okay. okay
1: yeah who has who has the what who has the better uh chorus uh invasions or invader
4: actually
3: invaders <laughs> <right>? Yes. <absolutely. laughs> exactly which yeah, is kind of sad and even the verses, like "You better get ready for the hell of a fight," it's, like, is it's that... also a
4: bit cheerful. In yeah.
3: that sense.
1: Very cheerful, yeah.
3: Yeah, I guess yeah. it comes from the same emotional background, but uh, yeah.
4: But Eric, I have to to dispute your, because uh, I know that many see the, uh, invasion as the, like the the song that came just before invaders, but I mean yeah. there are no. Musical themes. It's just the, that the lyrics deals with the same things. It's not like the music has is much related
0: in any no, way. No, I guess I guess that's 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 fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, it's just a general vibe. I feel like I think I think, I think there is. Me, I mean, so if I can sort of pull the uh, you know the curtains back, how, how this sort of um, you know the the behind this episode is, we did a, try to, we did record a version of this episode last week. And then some technical issues. Um, Sorry, let us do it again. And I do recall that we did discuss, the, uh, you know, uh, similarities between there. I, I think there were one or two. There's something else we did find somewhere, but I don't recall what it is right now. But maybe it is just a general kind of. It was like you know,
1: Steve was determined to write a song about the Vikings coming to yeah England. Yeah. Well,
0: maybe, yeah. Well, fair enough then. And there was just a. So that, I guess perhaps there maybe there wasn't maybe there is not as much uh,
4: being forced uh, to write you know, another song for Number of the Beast. He had run out of topics and reused a topic of an older song there you go. about Vikings.
0: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Then because there's also here we got the you know they got the pillaging, and the, well they're raping and pillaging, robbing and looting, uh, ripping and pillaging, robbing and looting. There yeah. Go.
4: Very intelligent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but that's I mean, you know, and then there's just also then. Uh, again and then like, like, we, like we've already discussed the Norsemen yeah. are coming <laughs> there we go uh, there's not a hell of a lot going I mean can you look half the more than half the song is the chorus is that bit it feels like
1: yeah. <laughs> more than half the song is the chorus
0: is informing us that the, <laughs> the
1: Norsemen are coming
4: and um, while we are thinking about how silly this song is in quite a few ways just take a moment now and think that they actually thought about recording this song for killers really Yeah. yeah i mean what was going on I mean, apparently they didn't, <laughs> since it's not on Killers, because they, I don't know if it was Martin Birch or Steve or someone else in the band who just said it doesn't really work or sit well with the rest of the material that they were preparing for Killers, but it was kind of a popular song in among Maiden fans in London in the later part of the 70s. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the very first Maiden t-shirts that Keith Wilford, the first fan club manager, Produced was a T-shirt saying uh, "Invasion" or "Made an Invasion" or something like that, as the story goes. So, but the song is uh, not not the best. I know you touched upon this before in your pod uh, uh, and it's the comparison and the, or rather transition from Doug Sampson to Kleiber and listening to these two recordings of "Invasion" from the Soundhouse tapes and recording. With Clive on drums, it's like mm. Yeah. There you go. It's it's like taking a band out of the seventies yeah. and just putting it right into the eighties. Into the contemporary, basically. Yeah.
3: I did a comparison only a couple of weeks back in Innocent Exile and i sort of yeah. went back yeah, and yeah. forth between Ratchild and the different versions. Yeah, how much more precise yeah. and good it sounds with Clive. I also gave Dog a bit of Slack because he hadn't heard that version. No, no, no. Whereas Clive had heard something he could improve upon.
4: On this one, Clive plays pretty much what Doug plays, but with accuracy. Okay. <laughs> I mean,
3: since yeah. I haven't heard it, we have to listen to it. So yeah. um, I'm going straight the, for there... YouTube because I guess YouTube is the only source I can find it.
4: Yeah. And and uh, talking about first about the of tapes version. I mean, it's so obvious that there is this second guitar player that isn't credited, Paul Kearns.
3: Paul Kearns, yeah. Uh, I
4: yeah. mean, because there are two solos that are radically different yeah. from each other. Yeah, uh, he's
3: soloing in Strange World as well. Yeah. Different yeah. solos. Pretty good, actually. Yeah. It, solos there. I'll on, on
4: this song, uh, on Invasion, I think it's fair to say that Dave sort of blows him out of the water, as they say. Uh, yeah. Dave does the second solo on Invasion. L- let's listen
3: to Invasion first. Yeah? Original version. It's so short, so let's just listen.
4: Yeah.
5: But this must be live,
3: Oh, is this a live version? Yeah. So that's what they put on Best of the B-Sides then. <laughs> okay, this must be...
4: This must be the demonstration play.
3: Oh, they do the Stratcom too.
4: Okay. Yeah. And now it's Dave. And he plays more or less his solo from the Son of version.
3: This part. Cheerful. they miss Yeah. Uh.
4: version is like half a minute shorter it's a short song 238
3: it, yeah, it plays so much yeah. faster than uh, yeah i have to say like this is i guess uh, information service to any listener because uh, i didn't know that what they put on best of the b-sides was the clive version yeah uh, but also it wasn't clive like with martin birch right
4: no, it's uh, Tony Platt.
3: Okay, he's the good the though. He's a good producer, but yeah. still, it didn't sound that.
4: Apparently, they tried him out a bit for. A no, he was on
3: uh, "Women in Uniform." Yeah, but uh, Stephen hated his mixing choices. Yeah, he, he he fired him during mixing, and he mixed it with Dog Hall, the front of house engineer for many years. I
1: I mean, I I love Clive, so everything he does, I I love. I, I think that's a I always thought that song was like a and it's kind of a funny thing to say. It's that's a cute song, right? it's it's a bit cute. Yeah, it's a bit cute a good it's but but it's <laughs> you know about you know invading. <laughs> it's it's invading it's, the subject matter is not necessarily raping and losing um, and... bubblegum. It's sort of a bubblegummy no. song, but not the lyrics.
3: <laughs> a bubblegummy heavy metal song, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> in a way it is, yeah. It's I, sort I of their pop
1: so. sort of a pop. pops their pop song.
3: <laughs> All right, so yeah, you're completely yeah. right, uh, Matthias. Uh, that uh, I'm looking now, the Soundhouse tapes ver- version is 20 seconds longer. Yeah, and uh, that's a bit different. But yeah, Eric, what do you think about the 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 new the new version?
0: Of you know, it? that that sort of made me warm up a little bit to this to the song. Uh, the arrangement is say. still silly, right? You know, the- oh, it's still silly. But again, you know, again, we're not talking. Yeah, but by warming up, mean. yeah, that's, that's that's kind of fun. I don't mean like I'm going to get like the lyrics tattooed in my back or anything.
4: Is it okay getting on the list, Eric? Will it be <laughs> yeah. on the list? Yeah.
3: This is a fun one. It's like uh, when we did I Live My Way. Is it going to be on the list? Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, it fucking pummels I Live My Way. Okay, Invasion from the Soundhouse tapes then. Were you familiar with this track back in the day, Melissa? Or has it
1: um, I was. I was, and it was never one of my favorites. It was never one of my favorite
3: favorites. So already in the early 80s, you you were Yeah, you're already with. you
1: kind of like, eh, kind of dumb, kind of a dumb <laughs> song.
3: Um. Yeah. Soundhouse tapes. Uh, I guess it's. I mean, it's still enjoyable to listen to. I would say, yeah, overall, Invasion is the weakest part of it. I think the rest of it is just still this band up and coming. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. But uh, obviously, they needed a bit of personal change. Yeah, at that point. Obviously. Yeah, and not for yeah. the first time either. No, <laughs> I already switched out like five guitarists before that.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah, they changed guitar players like lunatics. Yeah, uh, when the, after the the reboot, when it was just Steve, uh, Paul, and Dave, and Doug came in, and then it was just like a constant parade of guitar players next to Dave.
3: But even Dave left the band, you know, right? With, yeah, with that yeah, tri- he did. triangle drama yeah. with uh, with the uh, Wilcock. Yeah, and uh, I think someone said that only two members never left, not counting Steve. And I think it's right. I think it's Nico and Janik. Mm. They never left. Every every other member has left left the band at one
4: point. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Or never being Maiden A to Z, innit?
3: Rotation, rotation. Uh, guests first. Uh, Melissa, you go. What's been in your ears lately?
1: So last week I was talking about how I listened to a lot of solo Bruce because I saw Bruce on his spoken word tour Mm-hmm. and um, continue to listen to Accident of Birth. I listen to uh, Balch Picasso, but I like Accident of Birth better, so I've listened to that more. Um, I also have been listening to, and this is new from last week, is the new Blood Incantation, which is an ambient album, which has no vo- no vocals. I'm familiar
3: with that band, yeah. I've heard the and, name. Um,
1: they're a death metal band. Um, this is completely different. They've always had some ambient elements. They're fairly new. They've only been around for like ten years. Um, this is this is a, this is like a quiet album that you can listen to uh, when you're winding down and you're ready to go to bed.
3: Maybe um, it's a corona, you know, a, a pandemic album. Some bands did that. They, they sort of deliberately went out of their normal sound because yeah,
1: they. I mean, they. They. Um, They're on Century of Media now. This is their first album on Century of Media. And um, I mean, I hope that they go back to doing what they, they, you know, their regularly scheduled program. (laughs) And then um, I was talking about it last week. I'll talk about them again. Hooded Menace. Um, There's melody when you would not think there's melody in this album. I'm on board with this band, which I um, didn't really like. For you know, I'd heard about them. Uh, Blaine Smith from Bangor TV is a huge fan, and he's been
3: always mentioning,
1: always talking about these people. And I was, I checked it out on YouTube. I was like, eh, not really for me, but. You know he went on and on about the, the latest album and i was like let me just check these people out again i mean what am i missing And this one has, like I said, it has melody. I mean, there's still some some harsh vocals, but I think it's done tastefully, if that's possible.
3: That's cool. I mean, anyone, (laughs) anyone above 50 listening to Growl, I'm happy. (laughs) <laughs> because I have a background in death metal, right? And I always figured yeah. it's a bit of a silly genre, really. <laughs> a bit stupid. <laughs> like like Dave Mustaine said, when I was imagining being a rock star, I wasn't imagining going... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can totally get yeah. that. Yeah. You know, who imagines it, Go up and sound like a deranged gorilla on stage.
1: Exactly. I mean, my <laughs> whole thing is, I want to be able to um, understand what you're saying. And I'm okay with okay. harsher vocals, if I can understand you. Because I, I, I'm a big fan of thrash. You right. know? Right. But as long as I can... I can understand what you're saying. People are like, "Oh, well, you just read the liner notes." It's like, "Well, okay." They're kind of missing the point of, you know, in order to figure out what they're saying, you have to read the lyrics.
3: <laughs> it's almost like if you went to a theater show and it's like someone said you have to read the liner notes because well, all the actors are going to growl. When I was a
1: kid, my mom, my <laughs> mom used to take us to the opera, and I hated the opera, and yeah, I couldn't understand in fucking it. Italian, and my or, mom or, is like, "Well, exactly," yeah, I've been and to opera I remember too. it's horrible. <laughs> I went to, my mom took me to see Manila Mancha and I got beaten with a shoe in the bathroom. My mom was so mad at me. She was like, I spent $50 a piece on these tickets. This is obviously the seventies. And, and I was so aggravated because I didn't understand what was going on. And my mom's like, well, the synopsis is in the playbill. And it's like, well, can I just stay home and read, read it then? I don't want, what am I doing here? You just read the liner notes just like I don't understand this and so that's kind of where I am with uh unrecognizable vocals
3: yeah no I totally get that even with a bit of a death metal background I've always you know sort of seen that perspective and some bands are really good at articulating more than others you know when it comes to growl and vocals. Mm-hmm. And I also get the Mustaine's idea of if you want to be a guitar hero or a singing guitarist on stage, uh, maybe you're not really in the 70s or, or early 80s, you're not visualizing yourself being a deranged gorilla.
1: No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you're just not. You're not.
3: <laughs> yeah. Okay, Matthias, what have you been listening to the last couple of weeks?
4: Uh, today, before I went here, I listened to the latest Mastodon, Huston Grimm. Huston Grimm, yeah. If mm-hmm. I had been a kid... I think Mastodon would have been my Iron Maiden. Okay, what Iron Maiden is to me today, because yeah. Mastodon also has that kind of—they have a world.
3: They have a world. Yeah. yeah. They
4: have lyrics. They yeah. have stories. They have artwork. They have—they have the package.
3: And of course, they love Iron Maiden. And they love <laughs> Iron
4: Maiden as well. And uh, I think they're just great songwriters. Make yeah, into, yeah. I just love them.
3: Not really. I was younger, so I got into them quite heavily for a while. But, yeah. you know, it's often that with new metal bands that I get into them for a shorter period. Yeah. And then I go back to Armaid yeah. or back to Motorhead or Black Sabbath, yeah. Priest or something.
1: Yeah. Leviathan is such a great album. My favorite oh, Mastodon one. album.
4: But it's uh, a cool I, album. I think that. Uh, it
3: was on that tour, actually, Melissa. I saw, them on the, and then I saw them on the Blood Mountain tour and Crack the Sky tour and Hunter as well. Yeah. So I saw them a few times.
4: Me too. The, uh, I think uh, when when I heard that they were going to release a double album, I was a bit reluctant. because yeah, I, mean, I thought, okay, Book there, of Souls it's is quite, too long. A, yeah, it's isn't quite. It? <laughs> I, I thought that Maslon's music is a bit too intense for a double album. But not
3: on yeah. this one, not on this one.
4: Exactly, they knew how to pace themselves. Very calm.
3: Yeah. It's
4: an album I listen from start to finish, yeah. and then I go from start to finish, Right. Right. From start to finish, like oh. I listen to an Armenian album or something.
3: to a friend of the show, co-host of the show, Greg, about this album mm. because he likes it, and I said that it's too long, but I enjoy the treasure hunt listening to it. Like there could be even like uh, transport periods of the album. It doesn't really bother me because I know they're gonna throw in a bit of yeah uh, nice spice here and there. Yeah. So the album mm. is actually an enjoyable listen. I'm not sure if I l- love it, uh, but I like it. Definitely, I like it. It's a cool album, and I like that they went for this mellow approach. And you know, kind of celebrating their uh, uh, now passed away manager, yeah. which was like a fifth member of the band, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole exactly. album is like an elegy, or what's the word?
4: Eulogy.
3: It's a eulogy. It's eulogy, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Destined, but right. anyway, the whole album is sort of like that too.
4: To but that's another thing with Mastodon comparing to Iron Maiden. Like they have, they work with the same people. They have yeah. like there's yeah. a story, there's a background, there's a, there's a it's a real band. Someone, like, <laughs> what's the what's the word? Uh, it's there's always a context. Yeah, context. Lore? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. I, I just love that, and I I just fallen in love again with sabotage, Black Sabbath. All right, So I've cool. been listening uh-huh. a bit to that. That's a good one.
3: Yeah. That made me want to play rhythm guitar. <laughs>
4: you know, da da, da da
3: da 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 Who doesn't want to do that? Ex- exactly. You know? yeah. And really loud.
4: that? You know? I, I think that uh, uh, to be really honest, I. Got reminded of that when you had Blaze on your your pod. Okay, and you asked him what's what's he, what okay. have you been listening to yeah. Blaze? And he said something that I can totally relate to, uh-huh. and I think you guys can too. Working with music, that you when you hear something new, you are nowadays sort of analyzing it.
3: Already, are they doing this good? How can I do it better? Yeah, yeah for sure. Because yeah.
4: Like he said that you start to think about, yeah, the songwriting, but yeah, good guitar solo. I'm very much guilty of that too when I listen to stuff. But when it comes to mastermind, I sort of just go along for the ride. So the, it's like, I know I'm in safe hands.
3: A drummer that could be the drummer in Armageddon, he could do it. You know, yeah, Brandler is one of the few that I would be completely comfortable with stepping yeah. in to Armageddon as a drummer.
4: He can have that yeah. swing. He's absolutely. just like
3: those fast fills, and he's got everything going for him. Yeah. And a huge Armageddon fan of that. You know, yeah, just listen to any interview, and he would drop yeah, best riff totally. ever, the Trooper. Yeah.
4: Apparently he even, like when he was a kid, he sold Eddie drawings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, Eric, what's been on? Uh, Let's see, well, uh, today uh, it's basically just been Tom Waits all day. Uh, Heart Attack and Vine, and then it was uh, Bad Like Me.
5: We played in the sand.
3: For me, um, the Blackfoot is one of the albums. Uh, the red one. What is it called again, Melissa?
4: And there's a Maiden connection because they uh, sometimes they join on stage playing Tush. With strikes.
3: Strikes. Okay, strikes. strikes with Blackfoot. And they join on stage together. I didn't yeah. know that because I'm, I'm going to spice in a bit of Highway song. No, uh, yeah, probably Highway song at the end, uh, right here for your listener, and it, that mm-hmm. has a lot of Maiden Maidenisms. I
4: think in they, it. they tore together in some sort of package in 82.
1: Well Blackfoot was always the heaviest of the Southern rock, I think, the m- more metallic of the Southern rock.
3: Uh, it works really good. Uh, the other album is uh, Demolition, uh, Girl' School that's been playing a bit lately. Uh, it's a c- song called "Race with the Devil," that I think is really, really a uh, perfect. Great song Perfect song) This episode is is, is at the tail end and uh, it was a good one. It was. Nice to do. I think Invaders is a very fun song to podcast about even if it's not on the list. It's a lot to say on the track.
1: Yeah, there's everybody's got something to say, you know.
3: Anything else Melissa before we...
1: Uh, That's it. Check out uh, Metal Chat with Melissa on all of the platforms. Right.
3: And uh, Matthias, anything before we leave?
4: No, I'm just uh, glad to be here. It was great to be on your show.
0: Good to have you on. Thank you. We look forward to having you again at some point. Also, I look forward to actually... uh, I've heard much about you, but I've yet to meet you. (laughs) Okay. Um, That uh, that kind of uh,
3: forgives you for uh, forgetting the name back in episode 6.
0: Yeah, Mm. I I feel I've changed a lot in the the, the (laughs) (laughs) 74 episodes. I have
4: such a forgettable name anyways. It's
3: a very common name in Sweden. Uh, It's one of those biblical. Mine is biblical too. Actually, Eric, being the American, he has a more Swedish name than I do.
0: Well, also, because my parent, you know, that, that's a story from another time, I oh, guess. So they already had a connection? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There, there wasn't oh, a okay. random
3: okay, yeah, let, let's keep that story. That's a good one. I haven't heard I it. I mean,
0: okay, the story's very short. <laughs> my, 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 grand, my, grand, my granddad was Swedish. There you Your go. Your granddad was Swedish. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I know that
3: you mentioned before in the pod that you're originally from South America.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm so, yeah, so the way, it, I mean, we don't need to get into this right now, but fine. that. That's <laughs> My, my, parent, my biological parents are, uh, were from uh, South America, I was adopted, and then I, I was um, adopted to my, my, my parents who were... Um, American, but with Swedish connection. Mer- yeah, back Swedish background. So I, I say I'm from all the Americas. There's three continents involved in that, you know. Yeah. A man of the world. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, sort of. Anyway, so that's that. That's that. Uh, so we say, uh, from all of us to all of you, up the irons. And squall from the north.
1: Cheers from Boston. Hey,